Fox fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones, and we've got a mid-season review for you. We're going to look back at some of the Ducks games on their last uh, homestand and the current road trip that they're on. We're going to talk about the World Juniors. We're going to talk about some fan questions uh, as far as trades and whatnot and, and kind of see you know where the Ducks are at and maybe some moves that they should make and uh, areas that they should improve on as well. So uh, looking back here uh, during the uh, you know month of December with the holidays and whatnot, uh, Eddie, the Ducks were... Um, on a little homestand here where they actually got Ryan Kessler back. And <clears throat> the Ducks had a, a three-game uh, stint here where they played uh, the Vegas Knights, Calgary, and uh, Arizona. It didn't start out so well. They played uh, uh, the Golden Knights. They actually uh, scored early in this game. But after that, it was pretty much all Vegas. The Knights ended up winning this one 4-1 uh, to one as uh, three former Ducks scored in this game against the Ducks, Theodore Carlson and Perron. So they uh, ended up taking this one. So not a really good start to the to the uh, homestand here. Uh, the shots were pretty even in this game. Uh, power play chances were even. The Ducks didn't score, but the Ducks got back Kessler Eddie, but they uh, you know lost this one pretty bad, four to one. Yeah, and, and I mean it's it's been a while, but it's nice to be back. But you know it's tough to go back and look at these games. It's, it's all the way back in December, and, and it's a rough one to start with. I mean Vegas is just. The story that keeps on giving this this season. I mean, they're they're arguably the best story of the season. Nobody expected them to be good at all, and the fact that they're near the top of the Western Conference and, and leading the Pacific Division is just ridiculous. And and they're they're not doing it with any luck. I mean, I mean they're dominating teams. They dominated the the Ducks in this one, four to one. And, and like you said, you know, insult to injury. You've got William Carlson, David Perron, and, and Shea Theodore who get three of the four goals. So uh, disappointing. You know it's going to be a tough game every time you go and play Vegas, something I didn't expect to be saying at this point in the season. Uh, I think you and me both believe that at one point they would cool down, and they haven't done that yet. But, yeah, it's just disappointing. Uh, I mean, again, these are four-point games. Vegas is, is in the Pacific Division. You know, These are points that matter if the Ducks are going to try and, and make a push and get back into the top three of the Pacific Division. Um, and, and every game against Vegas this season has been tough. You know, I would have liked it to be a little bit closer game. Malcolm Subban had a, had a good game in this one, and the Ducks just couldn't really get anything going. You know, we had the early opening goal by Raquel. Everything looked good, and, and then Theodore gets the, the late one to tie it, and then the second and third period, uh, we're just a, a, pretty much a meltdown by the Ducks, and just a dis- disappointing game all around. Yeah, absolutely. Like you talked about, Vegas has been on fire. I mean, you can't deny this team. You're watching what they've been doing out there. They've been playing very well, as you said. And uh, against the Ducks, we haven't been able to figure out anything against them yet. So, you know, the Ducks ended up uh, dropping this one. Ryan Kessler came back. Uh, they did not put the uh, cogliano silverberg kessler line together in this game, but they finally did uh, in the next one. And the Ducks hosted the Calgary Flames. You remember the streak that the Ducks did have against them was broken earlier in the season, so the Ducks were kind of looking to start a new streak. And they were able to do that one, uh, or do that in this one, uh, they took out Calgary. It was a close game, but they took him out 2-1. to one. Uh, Fowler got the early goal in this one, and Raquel got a goal in the third period. And the Ducks were able to prevail in this one, Eddie. 2-1, to one, they got one goal on the power play, and they shut out the Flames. They weren't able to get any goals on their power play. 
Yeah, and, and this one shouldn't have been close, but it was it was pretty much all Mike Smith in this game. I mean, he's he's been uh, a thorn in the Ducks' side pretty much his entire career, even when he was playing with Arizona. He's you know he thrives on games like this where he faces over 35, 40 shots, uh, and he was dominant in this one. The Ducks were were I guess you could say lucky the way he was playing to get away with a win in this one. You know they all shot them forty one to twenty three. This is a game when you normally if you look at the shots it should have been an easy win for the Ducks and and they're only able to escape with a two one win thanks to a third period goal from Ricard Raquel. So. You know, I, I think I like the effort in this game. You know, obviously, out shooting a team, they took advantage of the power play when they had it and got the one power play goal. That led to, to be the game winner. But, you know, it, it's hard to say they should have capitalized on some of their chances just because of how well Mike Smith played in this game. Uh, but I like the effort. And I think it, it's nice to see the Ducks actually out shooting a team 41 to 23 rather than being on the opposite side. Yeah, that's true. And like you said, you know, they, they could have gotten more goals if not for Mike Smith. So um, it was it was definitely a little bit entertaining, too. We saw Kessler and Kachuk go at it. You remember Kachuk kind of gave it to Kessler before in the past. This one, they had a good, interesting fight. You know, Kachuk throwing some jabs out there. Kessler throwing some more haymakers in this one. So um, that was entertaining to see. Just his second game back. And also, they put the line back together, him and uh, Cogliano Silverberg, and they did their job. They, you know, shut out, uh, and they've been doing it actually a lot of these games. The, the teams that are playing against this line five on five, they haven't been able to score any. So it was good to see them back together. Yeah, and they came in and, and they shut down the Monaghan Goodrow Furlan line uh, for most of the game. Furlan ended up uh, did end up getting the only Calgary goal, but. They, they did a good job of shutting down this line for the majority of the game, and then they've done very well, like you said, since they've been put back together. And I think it's funny with, with Kessler fighting Matthew Kachuk, they showed a clip during the game that way back in the day when Kessler was, uh, I think it was his first or second season in the league, he fought Matthew Kachuk's dad, Keith Kachuk, when the Canucks were playing the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> so if he wants to complete the trifecta, Brady Kachuk's up to get drafted this year, so he most likely will be playing in the <laughs> NHL either next season or the season after. So if he wants to complete the trifecta, wherever he gets drafted to, I'm sure he's going to be looking for a fight with Brady Kachuk. And, if uh, from what I've seen from his play in the World Juniors and, and from his play with Boston University, he's probably the meanest of the bunch. So that's going to be a tough fight if, if Kessler ends up going to fight him as well. <laughs> the trifecta would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, another uh, thing to talk about too, and this is uh, Raquel. Raquel's been on fire. You know, he uh, had a goal against the Islanders. He had a goal against Pittsburgh. He had a goal against the Knights. He gets another one against Calgary here, Eddie. He's on a four, you know, goal streak. I mean, we'll talk about the Arizona game in Vancouver. I mean, he's been on, you know, just doing great and leading the team as well in goals. So to see him and uh, Getzloff working together on that top line, that's been another bonus uh, for the Ducks in these games. Yeah, you know, those two have just really gelled together. Something we kind of saw from pa uh, Patrick Eves and Getzloff together last year. Uh, and, I mean, really, Getzloff can, and can work with pretty much anybody, but it's nice that you know, they've really gelled together, especially with Ricard Raquel, who's, who's arguably the Ducks' best goal scorer, and, and it's finally to see him get going. And, and I think the streak ends at, it was about a six-game goal streak where he had seven goals in six games. I mean, what a streak for him to have in the middle part of the season, and hopefully he can get on another one and continue this to the end of the season. Uh, but that left wing on that line, I think, has been the most intriguing thing. I think at one point... Vermette was there, Kasha was there for a bit before he got hurt. We've seen Perry. I think we saw Perry there last game against Calgary and when the, the Ducks started to turn things around, it was Getzoff, Perry, and Raquel for a bit. So it's interesting to see what you know who's finally going to land on that left-wing spot and, and be the permanent resident on that line. 
Yeah, and that's something we'll talk about a little bit too. Is uh, you know after we talk about these games and talk about you know the midseason report and where the Ducks go from here. But uh, you're right. I mean they're going to have to figure out something. Uh, and so far though, Perry and um, excuse me, Gasloff and Raquel have been really doing well together. And you know that carried over too in the game against uh, Arizona. The Ducks blew them out uh, five to two. You saw Raquel get two goals in the first period uh, to give the Ducks an early two to one lead. And then you saw the Ducks just blow them out in the third period. Fowler, Silverberg, and Vermitt scoring the goals. Uh, the shots were pretty even in this game. Uh, Ducks dominated in the faceoff circle. They weren't so great on the penalty kill. They gave up the you know the two goals that they did to Arizona on on uh, you know being shorthanded. But overall, the Ducks uh, destroyed you know Arizona, which we kind of expected because they haven't had a great season, obviously. But uh, the Ducks won this one, Eddie, uh, five to two. Yeah, and like you said, this is a game you, you definitely expect to win, especially against a team like Arizona. I mean, they're halfway through the season. They only have nine wins. This is a game you pretty much have to win uh, against an opponent like this. And, and they did it in, in, in you know a good style. I mean, Arizona's goaltending has been awful pretty much all season. They, they you know, obviously got rid of Mike Smith. They traded Louis Domingue. And, and Anirana was supposed to be the guy to come in and be almost that kind of Cam Talbot uh, situation where Cam Talbot came out of New York and went to Edmonton and, and now is a starting goaltender and he really hasn't been that and, and it's hard to do that when it's such a young team and they don't have a lot in front of them other than really Clayton Keller who's been the only bright spot for, for this team all season but yeah it was a good win for the Ducks and, and uh, you know as impressive as it is you know they only had one power play in this game they didn't score on it and they were still able to put five even strength goals past the Arizona Coyotes so it was a, a good change up from, from the last few games. Yeah, and the Ducks, uh, you know, they beat Calgary, they beat Arizona, they then went on the road, they faced Vancouver. You know, Vancouver hasn't been doing too great this season. The Ducks end up blowing them out five nothing. So the Ducks are building some steam here. Uh, both teams didn't score on the power play in this one. The shots were kind of even, but you had Henrique getting a goal early in this one. Uh, Raquel, as we've talked about, he gets his seventh goal in, in six games. Getzloff gets one. Vermet Grant. Scoring all over the place, and you know uh, Ryan Miller went net against his former team. He gets the shutout as well, and uh, pretty much a perfect night for the Ducks. Everything went right for him on this game. Yeah, and it was a, it was a good performance for for Miller against his his old team. I mean, he he stopped thirty one of uh, sorry all thirty one shots and, and got his his shutout. And I think it was a great effort. You know, coming off a five goal performance against Arizona, things are starting to look upwards for the offense. Getting another five goal performance against the Vancouver Canucks, who aren't a great team, but they're definitely a better team than um, than Arizona. They've had their uh, issues with injuries as well this season, especially as of late. But, you know, I, I think it was a, a good performance coming off that game. You know, 10 goals in two games, you can't really complain, especially with how inconsistent the Ducks' offense has been all season. So I think it was it was a solid effort. Raquel, again, we talked about it, continued his goal, streak, goal scoring streak. I believe this was the sixth game in a row that he had goals at this point. And uh, him and Getzlaff were just on fire again in this game. Vermette taking his place on that left wing, and he grabbed a goal as well. So just a solid effort all around. Yeah, and, and like we, we said, you know, Miller got a shutout against his former team as well. So the Ducks had a you know a three-game win streak. Uh, you know, this game too, Cogliano played his 500th game uh, in an Anaheim Ducks uh, jersey. Obviously all consecutive, as he's still one of the top Ironman in the league. Um, and they carried this over, and they... You know, the Ducks look good right now. You know, like you said, one, three in a row. They go into Edmonton. 
Um, Edmonton was without uh, Patrick Maroon. If you remember, he uh, took an elbow against uh, Drew Doughty, which he ended up getting an interference major for that and got suspended for a couple games. So the Ducks kind of looked to take advantage in this game uh, with Edmonton being shorthanded. Uh, and it was kind of a different game. Uh, there wasn't a lot of goal scoring in this one. Uh, Chris Russell got a goal in the second period. Kessler got an early goal in the third period, which you know they thought it was Silverberg and they thought it was Kessler, and it, it ended up indeed being Kessler's goal. So the Ducks ended up going to overtime. Um, they nothing was solved there, and they went into a shootout. And of course, the Ducks lost in the shootout. We all know how great the Ducks are in overtime and shootouts, but they got a point in this one, Eddie. But you know, a little little disappointing after the you know the three game win streak came, you know coming to an end. Yeah, it's disappointing just because of how bad the Oilers have been as of late. I mean, now after this game, in the other six of their last seven games, they've lost. And they've given up four or five goals in each of those games. And then this is the only small blemish where they actually were able to only allow one goal and they ended up winning this game. I, I mean, it's not like we expected the Ducks to go in there and blow them out, you know, 4-1, 5-1 or whatever. But, you know, they were struggling and, and the Ducks just really didn't get much going in this game. Other than the Kessler power play goal, there wasn't a lot of, high danger chances in this game Talbot did play a pretty solid game as well but it's just disappointing you know the Oilers are still creeping around there's still a chance they might be able to come back and challenge the Ducks and and you give up a point to to a team in your own division that is rivaling you for that final playoff spot so it's disappointing in that aspect but again for Kessler to get his first goal of the season and to to grab a point you know there's at least a bright spot yeah, and Kessler, you know, he played the next game too, and he's got six total that he's been in now, and he's got three points. So he's starting to, you know, get going here a little bit. Um, in the next game, the Ducks played Calgary again. And <laughs> so the Ducks got off to a poor start. They gave up two goals early in this game, but then they rallied back and had a solid third period with uh, Silverberg and Getzloff scoring. And <laughs> you thought this game was going to go to overtime, Eddie, but they left Dougie Hamilton all alone with 16 seconds to go, and he scores. And unfortunately, the Ducks kind of end, you know, before their break here, they kind of end on a bad note as they lose this game 3-2. to two. <clears throat> Yeah, and, I mean, what can you say? When you play solid hockey for only 15 minutes, it's tough to win a game. You know, the first period was awful. second period wasn't much better, but they were able to escape without getting scored on. 15 minutes of the third period leading up to the final five minutes was great. They dominated play. They, they grabbed two goals. Could have grabbed a third. Silverberg hit the post on a, another shorthanded shot. And then 16 seconds left in the game. They kind of break down. They leave Dougie Hamilton open. He's allowed to walk in, and, and he scores the game-winning goal. And it's just, you know, this. <laughs> I can't really get too mad because, no, the Ducks didn't deserve to win this game, but they did. they fought so hard to come back. And get in this game, and it's not at least just get a point out of it, and, and to end in the fashion it did, it's just, I mean, it's just really disappointing, you know, at least battle it out, you know, get at least a point from these games, especially when the Flames are right behind you in the standings, now this is an important game, even more important when they first played Calgary, because now they're right behind you, you're halfway through the season, and, and you give out two points, you don't even grab one, uh, which is in, in a four-point game to the Calgary Flames, it's just, it's just a disappointing effort. Yeah, and you saw tempers flare in this game too, Eddie. We saw Grant and Hathaway go at it. You saw Bennett and Manson go at it all at the same time. 
Uh, Perry was back in this game. He ended up bumping uh, Mike Smith very lightly, by the way. But he ended up bumping him, and then you know the, everybody got all mad, and we saw the craziness. And then you know as the period ended in the, uh, for the second period, they were going at it and jawing back and forth too. So two teams that don't like each other. Um, you know the Ducks obviously took the the one at home uh, the week before, but then lost this one. But you know it's it's tough, Eddie. Like you said, these guys are battling it out. You know the Ducks are currently tied for a wild card spot with uh, Colorado and Minnesota, but uh, Calgary's right on their uh, you know behind, so to speak. So um, it's a team that the Ducks need to keep that distance from, and it's unfortunate that you know if they would have lost in overtime, they would have lost a point. But here they ended up getting nothing out of this game. Yeah, and these this rivalry is really starting to heat up. We've seen it ever since the the, the couple of playoff matchups they've had. That from here on out, I mean, the Flames are just sick of hearing. I think of how the Ducks have dominated them. <laughs> and a lot of these guys haven't even been there for much of it. But I think you just hear it from the media constantly every time the Ducks play the Flames and how the Ducks have owned them over the last thirty-two games or, or whatever. And I think a lot of them are just sick of hearing it. And there's a, there's a lot of heat arrival, especially when you've got a guy like Matthew Kachuk on on one side, you got Kessler and Perry on the other side. So there's obviously going to be. Uh, some animosity, but you know I gotta give kudos to Sam Bennett for for you know hanging in there with Josh Manson. I thought he was gonna get just destroyed, and, and he actually put up a pretty good fight uh, against you know, Manson's one of the best fighters in the league. So that was that was pretty interesting to see that. And, and I mean we were gonna go into it, but I, I don't think I can on, on on Mike Smith and and his antics in this game. And I saw a lot of people talking about it. I mean he he gets bumped by Perry in the second intermission. And he flops like he's pretty much got body checked with Perry skating from center ice. So uh, we've seen a lot of that from from Mike Smith this season. So I don't really need to get too too in depth on that. Yeah, I, I think those plays speak for themselves in this game. So if you if you missed it, go back and watch. There's a little bit of diving uh, maybe going on, or a little bit of going down. You know too easily but you know the other part of this game too is Kessler got banged up in this one Eddie he left the game he came back the Ducks do have a break they don't play the Kings till next Saturday so hopefully he's okay um obviously like we said he came back and played but I, I you know I don't see it being too big of an issue and we've got Perry back as well so the team's looking to you know be back to almost full strength here during this bye week yeah well, you know once this five and you know, this bye week is over uh, we should have pretty much everybody but Patrick Eves back. I think the only guy who wasn't back in the lineup was Andre Kasha, and he was he's been out, I believe, with an illness, if if I'm correct, yeah, uh, for the last few games. So hopefully he'll be back. Kessel will be 100, percent and we'll have a, a almost fully healthy lineup. It's hard to to count Patrick Eves because of his situation. We really don't know, but we don't think he'll be back for the rest of the of the regular season and, and into the playoffs. So. But it'll be nice to have everybody back. And Andre Kasha will be a huge boost to the, to the bottom six or even in the top six if he gets put there. Uh, always a threat when he's on the ice. So it'll be nice to have everybody back and 100% for, for the first time really this season. Yeah, I agree. And, and we had one fan question from Rich who asked about Eves. And basically what you said is, you know, there's nothing really new. Um, you did see he came back to Honda Center and they kind of had like a welcome back to Honda Center type uh, tweet out there by the Ducks, but it wasn't really welcome back. He's playing, so I know some people got were like asking us questions, like, "Oh, he's back, he's playing." Well, not really. It's like he came back to Honda Center for the first time in a while, so that's kind of where we're at. I mean, it's it's like has he been around? Yeah, he's been around, but we haven't seen him practice. We haven't heard anything. So 
I'm not saying he's not going to come back at the end of the season, but I'm also telling you don't hold your breath because there hasn't been any action as far as him, you know, doing anything with the team as far as, you know, practicing or on the ice or anything like that, Eddie. Yeah, uh, it's disappointing because we expected a lot from him and Getzloff together this season. You know, as of right now, we can only just hope that he'll actually even be able to play hockey again. We don't even know the magnitude of his situation. We just know what he's out for. Uh, and we don't know how long. And, and in, all, in all honesty, it, you know, if he's out for the rest of the season, that's fine as long as he is able to come back and be 100% healthy. And, and whether that means playing in the National Hockey League or not, as long as you know his health is is the number one importance, and, and hopefully, you know he can he can battle this and, and be 100 percent healthy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's got to take care of himself, and, and whatever that results in, you know, that's the path he's going to have to take. So that's where we're kind of at. But you know, like you said, the Ducks are, are looking pretty good overall. We've got you know almost the whole team back. Um, yeah, we'll kind of talk about a little bit of uh, midseason stuff here in a minute. But you know, before we go into that. You know, during this last uh, week, Eddie, we did have the World Juniors going on. I know you're extremely happy because Canada won. So, you know, you, you can gloat all you want. But uh, Canada won. Uh, they beat uh, Sweden. And then uh, USA came in third. Obviously, the Ducks had some prospects out there. Steele, Jones, Comtois, and a couple others. So what did you think as far as the, uh, the World Juniors went and how it turned out for, you know, the Ducks' uh, prospects? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised that, that Canada won. I, I had Sweden beating the U.S. and then Canada going for bronze. And, I mean, I can't be happier than to be wrong in this instance. I'm glad that Canada won. And, and really, I guess we'll start with Canada and the two prospects the Ducks had on, on there. And, and Sam Steele, after getting surprisingly cut last year when he was leading the CHL in points, and I remember we talked about this last year and we, we couldn't believe that he got cut from the team, came in this year and was expected to play a big role for, for the Canada and the World Juniors, and, and he did just that. I mean, he had nine points in seven games. was only behind Jordan Cairo, who had ten points on Canada in scoring, uh, and he was one of their best players. I mean, he was creative, and he was a, a threat in every game that he played in. You noticed him in every game. That top line of, of Dylan Dubé, Cairo, Cairo, and Steele was one of the best lines in the tournament, um, and, and he was a real big reason why Canada won. Uh, and then I think one of the bigger surprises for me is, is I didn't expect Maxim Comtois to actually even make the team. Some of the guys that got cut in Cody Glass and Nick Suzuki, I thought they would make the team over them. Uh, but they wanted to go with size. And, and, you know, he played on a line with Brett Howden, who's drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, Alex uh, Fermentin, who's drafted by the Ottawa Senators. And that was one of the most unique lines of the tournament. They were surprising in, in the way they played. And, and Comtois had six points in seven games. And I don't, didn't really expect that from him. But that line was kind of almost the, the Ryan Kessler, Silverberg, Cogliano line that we see with the Ducks. They were a, a shutdown line that got put out there in, in, in a lot of the against a lot of the team's uh, best lines. And, and they did a really good job in this tournament. I was really surprised with this play. You know, he had a really bad hit early on uh, in, in the, I believe it was the preliminary games, where he hit a guy from behind um, and, and got a uh, five-minute penalty from that one. But... Other than that, he played a pretty good tournament. And, and Canada, the two Ducks prospects for Canada really impressed. So, yeah, and with that, Canada beat Sweden. And if you guys didn't catch it, the Sweden captain uh, decided to launch his silver medal into the crowd, Eddie. And uh, <laughs> uh, Captain Anderson for the uh, Team Sweden was not happy with the silver medal, to say the least. So he launches it. And, of course, you know everybody goes crazy on social media. 
And, uh, you know, to, to quote uh, Ricky Bobby, you know, if, if you aren't first, then you're last. So that's the way I looked at it. I, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny. But, I mean, you know, a lot of people were upset because, you know, it's like you won the medal, you toss in the crowd. Like, come on, dude. I mean, yeah. a lot of people forget. These are kids playing, too. Don't yeah. forget. I mean, emotions are running high. A lot of these kids, 17, 18, you know, in that age range. Um but what did you think? And, and what did you think about the fan changing his jerseys and the audience? That was pretty hilarious, Eddie. Yeah, no, starting with, with Lias Anderson, I, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he's the captain of their team. They were probably the best team in the tournament, even though Canada beat them. You know, they were dominating everybody uh, throughout the tournament. And, you know, Sweden, they've made it about, I think it's 44 straight preliminary games they've won, but they've, they haven't been able to get it done in the games that matter. Uh, and for you to come up short, especially Canada scoring with a couple minutes left in the, in the third period to win the game. No, I understand his frustration, but you can't really, you just can't do that. You know, I get <laughs> it. You're the captain of your team. You feel all the responsibility. You come up short. I'm glad he got the medal back because I'm sure he would have regretted it if he didn't. But, you know, it, it just sucks to see that. And you got to remember this is under 20. These are kids. But, you know, it, you just can't do that. You can't do that, especially when you're the captain of the team. you got to set an example for the rest of the guys. But, but, but like you said, the, the guy in the stands, I think that was, the, <laughs> that was the best part of it, to be honest. I mean, he was just ready for it. I mean, he had three different jerseys on. He had two U.S. jerseys. <laughs> yep. And he pulls them both off, and he's got a, a Sweden jersey underneath like he was ready. For, like he knew it was going to happen. I think that was the, the greatest part of it. I mean, it, it helped out. It helped put some humor on the situation and kind of diffuse <laughs> everything. But, but that was just great. I, I couldn't believe it. He, he was just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, and it was funny because he, he takes off the two USA jerseys, he has a Sweden one, and then he puts the medal on and starts posing. I mean, you have to laugh. That, that I mean, when I saw that, I was just dying, crying, laughing. I just thought, I mean, yeah, what the captain did, he shouldn't have done. But it was just, if you haven't seen it, go back and look on social media. It's a, it's a pretty funny moment, um, even though the, the tournament ended bad for Sweden and, of course, good for Canada. But it was funny, so... Oh man, just go back and watch it if you haven't seen it. It's a, it, it's a it's a hilarious moment. Um, another part of this too, Eddie is uh, of course Max Jones. He was on USA, but then Max Jones got traded in the OHL. So talk about that. You know the Golden Knights. That's in your backyard. You've been over there and seen some of the games and whatnot. What did you think about that? Because you know obviously we retweeted what was put out there, and some people were like, "Well, what's going on? It's an OHL trade." Well, yeah, these trades happen. He's still property of the Ducks. So don't worry about that. I know some people kind of get that confused. It's a, it's a minor league deal. Um, but what did you think about uh, Jones getting moved uh, and kind of go into the reasoning behind it as well? Yeah, well, he, he had a disappointing World Juniors when he only had two points in seven games uh, for the U.S. And, you know, it wasn't a great tournament for him. And he's had a, an on and off season for, for London. He, he's really just been scoring goals for London. He hasn't got a lot of assists. And, you know, he's not eligible to be back for London next year. He either will be up with the Ducks or be in San Diego. Um, so, you know, the Ducks, uh, sorry, the Knights this year, they're in an interesting spot. There's, there's a team right now, uh, Sault Ste. Marie, who are just unbelievable. They had, they'd won 23 games in a row up until last week, and, and nobody is really competing with them. There's a couple other teams, and, you know, Jones got traded to Kingston, and their team that is going to compete. Um, London's just in that spot where, you know, you either risk going for it and not winning and losing these guys for nothing, or you trade them and you get some prospects or some picks, and, and you at least get something for them, and, and then you look for the next couple seasons. So that's what they did. 
Uh, they ended up moving him, Cliff Pooh, who's a Sabres prospect, and Robert Thomas, who was also at the the World Juniors for Canada, who's a St. Louis prospect. So they've moved them so far. But, but like you said, it doesn't affect the Ducks. All it does is, you know, it's a separate league down there. He moves from London to Kingston. He's still Ducks property. It'll be nice to see what he can do with such a, a highly offensive team. I mean, Kingston, they went out and got Cliff Pooh, Max Jones. They went out and got uh, Gabriel Velarde, who was drafted in the, the top half of the draft by the LA Kings. And they've got Sean Day, who's a Rangers draft pick on defense, and they already have one of the best goaltenders in the league. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do playing a top six role with a team like that. I'm, I'm really excited to see how his offense uh, can can jump up forward now that he's playing uh, on a better team. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, and I mean, that's going to wrap up, you know, the, the World Juniors and what's going on there. Obviously, we're hoping to see Jones uh, with the goals or the Ducks next season, however that'll pan out. Um, you know, with that, we're kind of at the mid-season point. There's a, some questions about what do the Ducks do to help this team now. Uh, obviously, Jones is the future, but as far as what's going on with the team, they're 19, uh, 15, and 9. Um, you know, they're sitting there, like I mentioned earlier, they're tied for a wild card spot in terms of points with Colorado and Minnesota. Uh, we're 43 games in, so you know, just over the halfway point. Um, looking at this team so far, we'll, we'll go over some of these fan questions. They kind of tie in with where the Ducks are at now and what we think about the, the status of the team, basically. Um, I, overall, I, the, with all the injuries and everything that's happened, everybody coming back, I like where the Ducks are at, Eddie. I think they're still in striking distance. They can still make a push. We, you and I have talked about this you know, umpteen times. We don't care about them winning the division. It's not a big deal. I think that they can still get in the top three. Uh, of the division if they're able to do that I think they'll be in a good spot Eddie yeah I, I think they have some things they definitely have to work on power play is one uh, consistency is another but I think that will come once you know everybody's 100% healthy back in it getting some chemistry going uh, figuring out the lines other than obviously the Kessler Cogman Silverberg line I think things will hopefully start improving from there but if you you know if you're at the trade deadline and the offense and, and power play still hasn't improved I'm, I mean there's a couple of names we'll talk about in a bit that are out there that the Ducks might be able to, to swing for the fences on. But, you know, I definitely think they're in a good spot. Um, you know, with all the injuries to, to start the season, I, I didn't think they would be doing this well at this point. You know, the record isn't great. It, it still is disappointing, especially when we know what this team's capable capable of. But, you know, there's still plenty of time left. I think they'll make the playoffs, and, and anything can happen once they get in. They just have to get there. Yeah, and if you look at it right now, I mean, obviously this is going to change whenever you're listening to the podcast. Uh, Vegas is up there; they're 13 points ahead of the Ducks. They've got 60 points. You know, it's probably you know Ducks probably don't catch them. I mean, they could, but probably not. You got L.A.; they're six points ahead of the Ducks, and you got San Jose; that's only one point. So there's plenty of opportunity for the Ducks to at least get to second place uh, for sure. They can definitely work their way up to third and second. Plenty of time left. There's only, you know, like I said, one point between them and San Jose, six points between them and our favorite team, the Kings. So, you know, they, they can definitely do it. So it's a possibility. Um, you know, some of the questions uh, we can kind of go into that tie into the Ducks and, and you know, what are they going to do going forward? Um, they talk about trades. Um, we'll kind of go into that, too, if the Ducks are going to look into those. I, I think there are some names out there, Eddie, that I know you want to cover. Um, looking at this team now. If you look at cap friendly, the Ducks have about $7 million, um, in their current cap space. So they have room right now if they want to do some trades and work some things out. 
and we've talked about one area of a weakness for the Ducks, and it's kind of been that bottom third pairing on defense. Uh, Boschman and Bieksa, you know, not really doing too much there. I mean, obviously, Lindholm, Fowler, Montour, Manson, those are locks. We know that. So with this team getting all the forwards back and, and healthy, maybe the Ducks look to try to pick up something in the defense, Eddie. But what are some of the names that, you know, you would think that maybe the Ducks will look for as the trade deadlines, you know, just over a month away? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of teams who are pretty much out of it, and, and there's a lot of guys on expiring contracts that the Ducks can look for towards the trade deadline if they want to. I think it's a tough one to, to really do, considering, you know, Bochman and BX, I, I find it hard for, for the team to really drop them out of the lineup. Um, BX just seems like he's a mainstay in the team, and Bochman, I don't think they really want him to sit in the press box for the entire season. So I think it's hard for him to go out and pick another guy up. As much as I'd love them to pick up another a bottom pairing guy, uh, that will be a much more of an improvement on, on those two guys. Um, as for the short term, uh, a lot of uh, news on Twitter today was surrounded around Cody Franz and getting put on waivers by the Chicago Blackhawks. And, and he's been a, a decent addition for them um, on their blue line, which is surprising that they let him go. Um, and he only has a, a million dollars left on, on just a, a deal for just this season. So he's in the UFA at the end of the season. And this seems like a, a no-brainer to me. I don't know if it, it's something they end up pursuing. And obviously I think a lot of teams, I would think, would be in on, on getting him. So it all depends on if anybody's above the Ducks in the waiver wire. But I think it would be a great addition. You don't have to give anything up. You, you take on a guy who who's an upgrade on BX and Boschman. He's only making $1 million. Um, he is a right-handed defenseman, so you would have to probably play him on his uh, left side because I don't see them taking Bieksa out of the lineup. But then you would have Lindholm, Manson, you'd have uh, Montour, Fowler, and then you'd have Franzen and Bieksa. And, and I think that's a, a you know a better guy to have in the number five than Boschman. And, and you know it's a risk I think is worth taking. Uh, I just don't know if they do it or not. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if they'll pull the trigger on that. Um, as far as making trades, is there any other forwards out there or anybody else that you think maybe the Ducks might be trying to look at uh, acquiring as the trade deadline approaches? Yeah, one name that's kind of been around for the last couple of seasons is Anthony Anthony Duclair uh, out of Arizona. Uh, his name's come up again. He's got a $1.2 million cap hit, and he's an RFA at the end of this season. So it's an easy trade to pull off. I you know, I don't know what the Ducks would have to give up. They don't have a lot of assets to really give up, and, and I don't think that's the type of player you give up a guy like uh, like Jakob Larson for. But the one interesting thing was, was somebody brought up is is maybe just a one-for-one Nick Ritchie for Anthony Duclair. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, we talked about this last time we had the podcast before Christmas, how I don't think the Ducks are ready to give up on Nick Ritchie. I, I still stand by that. I don't think they're ready to give up on him unless it was in a deal for, uh, you know, a, a bona fide top six forward. Uh, it's an interesting one. I think you know there's a possibility to make it happen. Again, I don't know if Arizona wants to deal in the division, so that's. You know, I think there's a lot of teams who'd be interested in, in getting the services of Anthony Duclair. So I don't know if it's the one the Ducks go for. Uh, but in the last week, there's two big names that have come up that are, are rather surprising. Uh, the first one's Max Pacioretty with the Montreal Canadiens, and and I didn't expect to see this up. I mean, Montreal has been bad this season. And, and I think it's a good idea for them to, to move him and get younger, but it's an interesting one. I mean, he's on one of the most team-friendly deals in the NHL. He's only making $4.5 million for a guy who scored 30 goals in pretty much all of his last few seasons except for one. And he's got 4.5 for two more seasons. So it's a deal the Ducks can make work. 
uh, whether they have the assets to outbid other teams like St. Louis or Dallas or other teams who will be interested in them, I don't know. I think any deal would probably surround Jakob Larson, uh, maybe Nick Ritchie. Uh, I don't think the Ducks are, are willing to move anybody like Sam Steele. Maybe Max Jones' name comes up, but I don't know if they're looking to move him. I don't know if he'd be an interest in Montreal whatsoever. Montreal pretty much needs players in every position except goaltending if they end up deciding to move Carey Price or not. So a young defenseman like Jakob Larson I think would be a good starting piece. And if the Ducks can even try and pull this off, if Montreal's even shopping him, I think they, they have to pick up the phone and give Mark Bergeron a call, especially the way Mark Bergeron has hand, handled past trades. Uh, most teams that have traded with him have come out being the winners. So I think it's, it's worth a shot if the Ducks are going to try and get him. And imagine him on a line with Getzlaff and Raquel. I, I think that would be insane. Uh, an interesting thing, too, is he wears number 67, so there'd be a, an issue with <laughs> and, and Raquel if he ended up coming over on, on who would uh, end up giving up their number. So that would be an interesting one. Uh, the last one is Mike Hoffman with the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa's been relatively bad this year. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of rumors surrounding Eric Carlson and his future, and now Mike Hoffman's coming to the picture, and, and he's on a uh, five, basically a $5.2 million cap hit. Uh, for the next three or four seasons. So that's a little bit tougher to make work. Um, he's only a year year long, sorry, a year sorry, younger than Pacioretty, but uh, I think, again, Ottawa would probably be looking for a, a King's Ransom for a guy like Mike Hoffman, especially when he's locked down for four more seasons, and they don't really have to move him. So I think this one's a little bit less likely than Pacioretty, but it's, it's one I think the Ducks should take a look at and, and as a possible move. And he, he plays left wing as well. And the Ducks have been looking for a top-line left winger. And when you have two available, I think that those are two players they have to take a look at. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think those are definitely good options out there. The question is whether Ducks, you know, the Ducks pull the trigger. And I think, like you said, it's tough. The Ducks don't have a lot to really work with. I think maybe, like you said, Richie's a name to watch. Larson's a name to watch. I don't know if, if Jones or Steele are ones that would be out there. So, you know, that's why I'm, I'm kind of – I don't want to be pessimistic when the trade deadline comes up, but I don't see the Ducks doing anything huge. I really don't. I, I think they might make some, you know, uh, Murray minor deal type things that we've seen before. So I don't know if they're going to do anything big. You know, another name, too, that gets thrown out there uh, and Phil asks us about is Yager. Uh, it's, it appears that he's not happy in Calgary. Uh, what do you think are his chances of maybe going to the Ducks or maybe some other team? Phil, Phil's been on this for a while. <laughs> since, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Ever since the offseason yes. when Yager was uh, an unrestricted free agent, Phil's wanted him to come here. And, and I understand. I get it. Uh, you know, everybody loves Yager and and whatnot. But uh, I, I honestly don't think it's a good fit. You know, he hasn't worked in Calgary this year. A lot of it's surrounded injuries. Um, when he's been on the ice, he's been a little bit too slow for their top line with Monaghan and Goodrow, and he's kind of been up and down the lineup. I don't think it happens. Um, I think if they do mutually agree to terminate his contract, I don't know many teams that will be knocking on his door. I think this might be it for him. He, he had trouble finding yeah. a team in the offseason, and, and then Calgary took a shot, and it didn't work out. Um, and I, I, you know, it's, it's sad to say because of how crazy it's been for Yager to play at the age he's at, but... You know, I, I think if, if it doesn't work out with Calgary, I, I don't see many other teams taking a shot and, and bringing them on board. No, I agree. I, I don't. I highly doubt that he would come over here. Uh, it's just kind of the way I look at it. I'm not ruling it out, but I just don't think that that's something. I don't think he's a good fit, like you said. Um, and, and that's kind of uh, 
you know, as far as the, what the lineup and whatnot, how the Ducks look now, we had uh, Darren ask us, you know, what do we think about this Ducks team? What do they need the most work on uh, based on this lineup? And I, I don't really think this lineup needs a whole lot, Eddie. Uh, we talked about the third line uh, D pairing, which we had another fan, uh, Max, asked us about that. We already addressed it. But besides that, I don't see a whole lot of improvements. I think the biggest thing with this team that we've seen, especially in these last like six or seven games, is the uh, the first 40 minutes of the game. This team is like a super Jekyll and Hyde team. They'll come out and have a great first period and then a terrible second or vice versa. And it just seems like they can't quite get everything going in the first 40 minutes. Usually the third periods aren't too bad, uh, you know, minus this Calgary game in the last five minutes. But overall, the third period seemed to be pretty decent. It just seems like this team is just inconsistent when it comes to establishing the forecheck, getting those secondary chances on offense, and that seems to be the issue, uh, you know, I see overall with this lineup. I, I don't know if it's necessarily personnel, but maybe, uh, you know, a little bit of the chemistry between some of the lines. Uh, and obviously getting Kessler back has helped with that now, as we've seen with him and uh, Silverberg and Cognano being together. Yeah, as, as much as I hate to say it, it, it almost seems like a systems or a, a coaching issue. Uh, I mean, the, the Ducks penalty kill and their goals against average is great. Both in the top ten, penalty kills fourth, goals against average is seventh. No issue there. Uh, real issue is goals per game, they're 25th, power play's 23rd. Uh, power play's been awful all season. That's almost a systems and coaching thing. I think they have the right players in place. You've got Montour, Fowler, Linton, Manson, Gatsloff, Raquel Perry, Kessler, and it's now back, Silverberg. You've got guys who can get it done on the power play, and it's just not getting done. I mean, a lot of the guys, when the Ducks special teams were great, were still are still here. Uh, I mean, majority of them are still here. So... I don't know what the issue is with the power play. You know, I, I don't know how it gets fixed, whether you go out and you get it. You know, obviously getting a guy like Hoffman and Patch ready, you would assume would improve the power play. But if it's a systems thing, you never know. Um, and the same thing kind of comes down to, to goals, the, their goal scoring in general. It just might be the way they play the game. The Ducks play a defensive style, um, and, and that kind of comes into their, their consistency as well. They, they sit back when they have a lead or when it's tied. We saw that in the game against Calgary. They sat back in, in the last five minutes of the game, and it, you know Hamilton scores with 16 minutes left or 16 seconds left, and they lose the game. And we had the issue a couple weeks back where they were blowing leads in the third period. It's hard to say that it's anything other than a systems or, or a coaching issue. I don't know what else is really the issue. Other than the, you know the power play and goals per game, you know obviously we talked about they could shore up the bottom pairing. They could add a, a top line left winger, but other than that, you know goaltending has been good. So I, I don't really know what else there is to work on. Yeah, and that's one of the fans' questions. Uh, Alex asks about that. You know, he says, "Does Carlisle seem like he's lost his voice?" You know, basically with the team, uh, the team's lack consistency. But is the coach, you know, basically the issue? I you know, I think part of it is he's gotten this team to where they're at with everything that's gone on. Like we said, they're still right there in the wild card spot. They're four games over 500. Uh, I, I would say if this team was where they were at now and they're fully healthy, I would totally say, you know what, this is a big issue. There's, yeah. there's something going on. I, I would definitely say that. I would say based upon what they've gone through, the roller coasters of who's in, who's out, who's injured, you know who's got the flu like Casa right now, and whoever else or whatever. You know all the stuff's going on. Um, I, I think it's fine that the way that they've gotten through it, but I agree with you. There's something that they've got to figure out where 
and and maybe it's not having gets off for part of the the season as well but if the leadership isn't you know an issue with the coach being carlisle he's gotten this team to where they're at with everything we've talked about then it falls on gets off and Getzloff's been doing everything he can on his own. I mean, he's been killing. He's got almost 20 points in his last, you know, 11, 12 games. So obviously him as an individual has not been the issue. But, you know, as far as the captains and stuff, uh, also getting Kessler back too, Perry, maybe those three need to really talk to the team and, and get this like, hey, guys, we can't have these periods where we slough off. And also, hey, when we get this lead, we can't just sit back. Because that's what seems to happen with this team. It, it seems like one or two of the periods, especially the first and the second lately, have been the ones that they haven't done well at. Or like you said, they get that lead, they go in the third period. They don't play a terrible third period, but they don't push like they were doing in the earlier period. So to me, I, I put it more on Kessler, Perry, and and Getzloff. And, and I don't mean it in the sense that, that they're um, – totally wrong in how they approached it i mean all three of them have been in and out of the lineup all season and they're they haven't had all three of them out there for a majority of the time so to me it falls on the captain and uh the alternate captains that i mean that's just kind of the way i look at it eddie is is if this team is going to move forward and make that push to the playoffs those three guys having them healthy and together i think will, will solve some of that going forward but I look to those guys. I don't look at Carlisle too much um, when it comes to uh, the defensive stuff. But, you know, on the offense, maybe. Because uh, we know he's more of a defensive-minded coach. And like you said, the penalty kill has been fine. It's the offense that's been an issue. And that might be part of the issue lacking with Carlisle uh, and his style of game. But I, I really think that those three guys are the ones that are going to have to take this team to a more consistent level. But... At the same token, it's been difficult because they haven't been there together the whole season so far. Yeah, and I think that will help us better answer the question of what's wrong with this team. Once everybody's together, you know, hopefully after this break, Cash is back and we've got a fully healthy lineup. We can start getting some chemistry on the lines that are, again, other than the Kessler, Coghlan, and Silverberg lineup line that we know is pretty much going to be together. Getzlaff and Raquel will be together, and then from there it all it all depends on who's going to be on Henrique's line, who's going to play on the left wing with Getzlaff and Raquel. And I think once we get everybody back and hopefully everybody stays healthy, then we can evaluate this Ducks offense, then we can evaluate this Ducks power play and see if things turn around. And from there, if you get close to the deadline and things are still struggling, then maybe you do look to add a guy like Pat Schrader or Hoffman uh, to boost his team, or maybe you do, like you said, a, a, one of those Bob Murray deals where he just kind of comes in and, and adds a Patrick Eves type player who you don't really expect to do well and then they end up gelling and working perfectly in the lineup. He pulls those trades off all the time and then maybe you bring in a guy to, to shore up that bottom pairing on defense and then all of a sudden this is a new look team and, and those two additions help. So I think it, it's just a little bit more time. You know, this is the first time we're, we're halfway through the season and we haven't had a full uh, a game where our, our lineup has been fully healthy. I mean, technically we still won't have that with Patrick Eves being out, but you know, once they get back from, from this bye week, Everybody will be back. Everybody, everybody will be ready to go, and hopefully we can get a, a better evaluation uh, of this team's offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you saw this last game. We finally had Perry, Kessler, and Gessoff together, and then, of course, Kessler goes out for part of the game. So we haven't even had one game, really, with all three of them out there. I mean, so I, that that's what I think is part of the difficulty in, in assessing this team so far and, and being super critical of them or Carlisle. Uh, but like I... I would go back to is what you had said too is this Ducks team over the next four or five weeks before the trade deadline 
is really the going to be the measuring stick. And if this team does well during that part, I think we're going to be fine and keep on rolling. But then, like you said, if it doesn't work out, I think the Ducks do need to go get someone like a Patrick Eves type. If he can't come back, we don't know. But if he can't, get someone like that to throw into the offense to add to it. I think Henrique has been a great uh, addition, has worked out well. So if they get some type of winger to add to the offense, then I think that's what's going to help out this team the most. And like you said, maybe a third pairing on the D or something, someone he goes and sneaks out. But those are really the two things that I see with this team as far as personnel-wise is the third-line pairing and getting some top six type forward um, you know, that can help gel and add with this team. But uh, that's going to be the key is we've got to watch these next uh, weeks coming up. Uh, you know, the Ducks are going to come back into action against the Kings. We are going to have another watch party if you uh, didn't see it on Facebook, but we're going to have one at El Ranchito uh, in Orange on 182 South Orange Street um, in Orange. So if you can make it, you know, that'd be great. We give away a lot of stuff and we have a lot of fun, good food and everything. So the Ducks are going to, you know, battle it out with the Kings when they come out of this break, still on the road trip. They're then going to face Colorado, who, you know, maybe a month ago you and I would have said, oh, that's going to be a team that they're going to work, but Colorado's been playing extremely well. Then they're going to face Pittsburgh. We all know about the Penguins, but they haven't been as great this season, so the Ducks, you know, may be able to get something out of that one. And then, of course, they face the Kings again. So, you know, three out of these four games, and, I mean, you still can't count out the Penguins, but, you know, these next four games, Eddie, are going to, to me, be kind of a, a real test to see how this team does and really what Murray is going to have to decide to do come the trade deadline. Yeah, uh, I mean, the two games against L.A. Are, are tough, and they're important games, especially in the standings. L.A.'s kind of slumped a bit compared to how well they were doing at the beginning of the season. They're still up there, so the you know if you're going to start gaining ground on, on the Kings and the Sharks. Two games. Yeah, you got to win these games. So you've got two games. Yeah. In their next six games, they play L.A. twice, and they play San Jose once. you got to win these games. You know, if, if they lose those three games in regulation, you've given up you've given up points to these top teams. And, you know, LA gains four points on you, and the, the Sharks gain two points on you. And like we say, every time they play a Pacific Division team, these are arguably four-point games, and you can't blow them, especially in the second half of the season. If the Ducks are going to make a run and make a push to get into the top three in the Pacific, you're looking at two of the top three teams right now, and you got to beat them if you're going to get there. Um, as for the, the other two games, Pittsburgh at home and then Colorado – um, in Denver, you know, those are tough games, especially Colorado, the way they've been playing lately, especially their their top line has been one of the best in the NHL as of late. Uh, I mean, Nathan McKinnon's been on fire. He's sitting second in league scoring with 52 points. And they've got Landis Cog, who's had a bounce-back season as well, and, and Miko Rotten, who's had a breakout season, and he's scoring at a point per game with 41 points in 41 games. So um, they've just been unbelievable as of late. And, and a familiar face uh, is leading the line in net for them right now. With Farlamov <laughs> being injured, Jonathan Bernier is leading the way from them. I don't know if they play Sunday or Tuesday, if it's a back-to-back for them, so I don't know if we'll see Jonathan Bernier or not. Uh, but that will be an interesting one if he's ready to go. He's been playing great. He was second star of the week uh, this last week, so he's been unbelievable for them. So that's going to be a tough match, especially playing them at the Pepsi Center in Denver. So that's a tough one. And then, like, uh, like I said, with the Penguins at home on the 17th, the Penguins haven't been that good this season, but Crosby was first star of the week, and uh, Malkin's been great as of late. You know, Kessel's starting to pick it up, so this team's looking to start trending uh, in in the direction that people expect them to be in. So this is a tough week coming up for the Ducks. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we got one. I guess we can kind of finish with this one late question from uh, Clarissa. She asked about the Ducks. Do you think they have a good chance of making the playoffs? And everything you and I have talked about, the things that they need to do. With this team, I don't really think the issue is making the playoffs, Eddie. I think this team does make the playoffs. That's not my concern. My concern is they stay healthy and and how far do they go as far as the seeding goes in the playoffs? Are they going to make it as one or two of the wildcard teams? Or are they going to be number two or three in the Pacific Division? That's what I look at. Can they stretch it and go for the title and beat Vegas? Maybe. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch. I don't really care if they do or not, though. But, you know, for me, Eddie, I think this team makes the playoffs. The biggest thing, I'd like to see them make at least the second or third seed in the Pacific and then go from there. And that's, I think, where we'll be at. And And I think if they can do that, then it's just a question of how well they do once they get in the playoffs. Sneaking that question in right at the buzzer there, too. Yeah. <laughs> last second question right before we're done. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think they make the playoffs. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to, like you said, how everybody gels when everybody's 100% healthy. And, and it starts with this game against the Kings on Saturday. And we'll see how this next week goes. I, I mean, three tough divisional games from, from there. And, you know, I think they have what it takes. I think – this lineup is definitely one that can compete for a top three spot in the division. I mean, a lot of us didn't expect Vegas to be there, so that kind of adds a little bit of tension in there when, when you don't expect a team to be that good. And, you know, Vegas is, barring a colossal meltdown, they're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to be one of the top three teams in the Pacific Division. So then the Ducks are looking to bump either L.A. or San Jose or possibly Calgary if they get on a roll out of a spot, and, and that's going to be tough. Those are three good teams. So the Ducks are going to have to start playing to the level we expect them to play in. And you know whether they're there or not come the trade deadline, I think it's worth taking a look at, at the guy we had mentioned in Max Pacioretty if Montreal is looking to, to get rid of him. You know They don't have any urgency because he still has two years left on his deal, but this is a deal the Ducks can make happen. This is a guy they've been... The style of player at the deal that they can afford, that they've been looking for, for a long time. And he's been only making $4.5 for two years. The Ducks can work that into the salary structure. And, and I think, you know, as much as I like Jakob Larson or, or Nick Ritchie, I think if a deal centers around Ritchie and Larson, I think the Ducks just have to make it happen if they can. Uh, you know, if you're looking to win a Stanley Cup now, that's the type of addition that can take you that step farther. Yeah, and if the Ducks are able to add patches to the lineup, holy smokes. I mean, that would be crazy. Uh, I'm not super high on it. I mean, as far as it actually happening, but I agree with you. If they're going to do some kind of move to really get this this offense going in a more you know consistent direction and kind of making a, you know a big move, yeah, I, I I like that move. So like we said, there's some names out there to watch um, over the next uh, you know four or five weeks. Um, like I mentioned, we're going to have a watch party coming up against the Kings this Saturday uh, at El Ranchito in Orange. So hope you're there. And uh, before we wrap up, by the way, you know if you get a chance, please go on iTunes and rate the show. Uh, that helps us out. Um, you can give a, a you know five star rating on there and leave some comments and whatnot. It'd be greatly appreciated, and we appreciate you guys listening. We hope you had a great uh, Christmas and a great New Year's, and we're hopefully we'll be back on our weekly schedule. We just had some crazy stuff going on with the holidays, as of course everybody does. So um, with that, thanks for listening, and let's go Ducks. Mm-hmm.